Good morning. Welcome back to Midpoint Wednesday, your mid-Florida, mid-week, mid-morning source for news and public affairs with a local perspective. We are WMNF Tampa, and I'm Shelley Reback, your host. Before we get into today's show on the fight for affordable housing in Hillsborough County with our guests, Dr. Sheila Simmons-Tribble from Hillsborough Hope and former County Commissioner Kimberly Overman, now an affordable housing advocate with the Housing Leadership Council of Hillsborough County, we have a few announcements and, of course, our top stories of the week. You may have heard that WMNF is fundraising all month leading up to our fall fun drive pitch week, which begins on our show next uh, on Wednesday, October 4th. That means it's time, WMNFers, to open up your wallets to support this show, Midpoint, and all of WMNF so we can continue to bring you non-commercial independent radio and local public affairs podcasts and our genre-hopping music shows that enlighten and delight you. You don't have to wait until October 4th, though. You can donate right now and show your support for Midpoint by going to the donation page at wmnf.org slash donate and scrolling down right below the how much do you want to give section to the direct your donation to drop down menu. And you can select MPW for Midpoint Wednesday to show that you value this show and our perspective because there has never been a more important important time to support independent, non-commercial community media speaking out against the forces of tyranny and fascism. If you're a regular listener, you know this is where the woke goes to thrive, and we need your support to keep us working for peace, community, and social justice. Also, it is Latin Heritage Month, and you can join us tonight from 6 to 9 p.m. at the station, 1210 East Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, in celebration of Latin heritage and culture. Come by and meet the Latin Night DJs, DJ Speedy Gonzalez of Latin Jazz and Salsa, DJ Franco Silva of Latino 54, and Isha Del Valle and Nico Rocha of Latin X. Our friends from Mi Gente, Mi Pueblo will host a discussion about building community and healing. The Tampa Latin International Film Festival will show some of this year's film selections and special teaser trailers for the film Alma, locally produced and filmed here. There will be station tours, Picadera, which is a food potluck, and obviously there will be Latin dancing in the lobby. So we hope you join us tonight from 6 to 9 p.m. at the station to commemorate Latin Heritage Month. The Tampa Bay History Museum is also celebrating Latin Heritage Night tomorrow with a talk by friend of the show, Dr. Sarah McNamara, professor and author of Ybor City, Crucible of the Latina South. Their event is at 6.30 tonight. It is free, but an RSVP is needed, so go to the Tampa Bay History Center website for tickets uh, and sign up if you're interested in that program. And as always, we love to hear from you with your questions and comments today on our live program, and you can reach us by calling 813-239-9663, emailing us at dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813 Now for our top news stories of the week. According to a new report by Step Up for Students, the organization that administers the Florida School Vouchers Program, nearly one 
123,000 new students have received the private school vouchers after the state passed a major expansion of the voucher program. And as of September 8th, 242,929 students had enrolled in private schools using vouchers, which is an increase of roughly 122,895 students who are new to the program this year. About 7 in 10 new scholarship awards are going to students who were already enrolled in private school, according to the Florida Policy Institute, at a cost of $676 million in Florida taxpayer money. Now, FPI says that this voucher money is going to subsidize tuition that families were already paying to private schools. And 27% of the voucher students are from households with incomes above $120,000, which is 400% of the federal poverty level for families of four. Also, 15,097 homeschool students have received new vouchers. And as reported by the Miami Herald, homeschool students are permitted to use voucher funds for things like theme park tickets, 55-inch televisions, kayaks, and surfboards. All right, what a racket. And the Pinellas County School District has pulled five books from its shelves amid concerns that their content, which includes graphic sex and violence, is inappropriate for minors. But it did so without having received any formal complaints about the titles. The administration also instructed schools to reclassify another 11 books as available for high school juniors and seniors only, providing they get written parental permission to use them. 12 books, so that's like an opt-in requirement rather than an opt-out requirement, uh, which is, of course, more difficult for those families that uh, want their kids to have access to all reading material. Uh, 12 books were labeled for high school grades, taking them out of middle schools, and another two remain under review. School board member in Pinellas, Stephanie Meyer, introduced 25 of the 30 titles, which were reviewed by a committee of 10 district media specialists during a July workshop. And at that meeting, the board gave superintendent authority to review the books as they come to his attention, rather than file formal complaints and go through a public hearing. Parents and other residents have started to recite out of contact out of context excerpts from books at these school board meetings and demand action there. Several residents attending an August board meeting read aloud some explicit passages from several of the books urging the district to remove them in accordance with state law that now says schools may not have books that contain pornography or material deemed harmful to minors. Rather than follow the process adopted for reviewing materials, the Pinellas School Board decided to act on its own, which is really the problem here. This censorship is being undertaken and books are being removed without a proper and consistent review process and without respecting the rights of parents to control what their own children are exposed to. So this is a good uh, spot where I want to tell you about a WMNF and Midpoint sponsored event celebrating Banned Book Week. On Tuesday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. at Shuffle, a shuffleboard bar and restaurant at 2612 North Tampa Street. 
Our friends from the Florida Freedom to Read Project and the Families for Strong Public Schools will be there with information about fighting unwarranted censorship in public schools. Bookends Mobile Books will be there with banned books available. Yours truly will be there as your host, and we'll have some swag and some swagger and a good time for a good cause will be held by all. So come on out on Tuesday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. at Shuffle with WMNF and me and support your kids' freedom to read. Now our top story of the week. The Republican majority on the Hillsborough Board of County Commissioners, with new countywide Commissioner Josh Wostall leading the charge, doesn't think that county government has a role to play in promoting the development of more affordable housing in the county, not if it costs money at least. Back in September 2019, the former group of commissioners established the Hillsborough Hope Affordable Housing Fund. The ordinance requires the county to put at least $10 million of local public funds to create and preserve more affordable housing units in the county. But now, with the new Republican majority on the commission, this fund is in danger of being eliminated or significantly cut back. Commissioners are considering reallocating a portion of those funds for other critical needs like enhancing public safety and fixing crumbling roads. Commissioner Wostall is particularly upset that the city of Tampa is using community redevelopment funds for what he terms fancy downtown projects and enhancements. He thinks money for affordable housing can be found elsewhere. But let's hear what he had to say at the commission meeting last week. So, Jessica, can you play that clip for us, please? They need help. And we realize that and we should be a board to want to help and continue to help in our community. So thank everyone for being here. All right, thank you, Commissioner Wilson. I just, I thought that the points about CRA were pretty good from Commissioner Owen. So administrator wise, um, could you add some, shed some light on that topic? Is it not true that the city used tens of millions of dollars of CRA to build things like armature works? I don't know the answer to that yeah I, I i do is it is it not true that the city used tens of millions of dollars of cra to build renew the downtown city of tampa area that is selling condos for eighteen hundred dollars a square foot now they didn't use it to build the condos uh, the cra money has to be used for public infrastructure right they so. used it for that area and i i guess i mean we, it's about priorities, and I, I do feel bad for the um, residents of the city of Tampa. And I, next year, unfortunately, the opportunity is missed this year. We um, can't change the millage rates like I wanted to, but I look to um, reducing their cost of living or trying to, again, at next year's trim rate settings with the tax millage um, swap rate because they do need help. But we cannot help the decisions that were made in the city of Tampa with our budget um, up to a certain extent other than reducing the countywide trim rate. That's the only real, real meaningful way that we could reduce housing affordability and costs in the city of Tampa. And so I, I do... I do know that CRA funds are used, used a great deal for affordable housing. I know that we have multiple prog programs that go on within Hillsborough County for affordable housing, and it is true that the Sadowski Fund is up near $800 million right now. So it's, 
It's not like we're leaving um, it out to dry. It's just that we're readjusting our priorities. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Cohen. All right. Uh, let's start with some history. Uh, Dr. Sheila Simmons-Tribble, welcome. Thank Happy you. Happy to have you here. Um, can you tell us how did the HOPE Affordable Housing Fund come about? Yes. Uh, all the way back in 2012, um, HOPE started looking at uh, affordable housing. And we did this through a process we're in right now, which is called our listening, our house meetings. And this is when we first started hearing about homes uh, actually low income and very low low-income families and seniors needing uh, housing. That then went to our research and action, and we began to talk with experts in the area. We found out that there was a way to get local funds, because if you get the local funds for affordable housing, then you can leverage that to state funds and even leverage that to federal funds. And so we kept working at it and kept going back and back to the BOCC meetings, because we were not going to let this just be not an issue. So then uh, actually in 2019, uh, with the help of the um, Board of County Commissioners and uh, past uh, president, a chair, uh, Overman, worked with us and it actually was passed. And because of the work that HOPE had done, they actually named it the HOPE uh, Affordable Housing Fund. So we have had over the past five years some $45 million put into affordable housing and we have leveraged public-private partnerships in order to give hope to families in Hillsborough County. Now, I, I need to back you up a little bit. Tell us what is the um, HOPE program? What is HOPE, the organization? Yes, thank you. HOPE is the Hillsborough Organization for Progress and Equality. And it is a group of congregations, 26 congregations, uh, very diverse, diverse in religion, diverse in ethnicity, diverse in race. But we all come together in order to give voice to the social injustices in our county. And apparently try to solve them or try to fix them. (laughs) Absolutely, because let me say this. When we go through our process of research and action, we are looking for a long-term solution. So one of the things that we learned was that this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And so it took us, as you well know, years to even get the fund. So therefore, we are ready for the next marathon because we are not going to let this go away after we have fought so hard. And we always try to give voice to those that are voiceless. And this comes through our house meetings and through the community. All right. Um, let me turn to you, uh, Kimberly Overman. You were a former county commissioner uh, when the HOPE Fund w- was uh, uh, put into place. And um, so you can tell us, like, where does this money come from? Right now, apparently, uh, tomorrow, at tomorrow's budget meeting, uh, they're going to take up the issue of the, what is it, 9 or $10 million that the HOPE Fund is but currently proposed to be in the budget for. They're going to take up uh, that issue. Where does that 9 or $10 million come from? Is it is it state and federal grant money, or is it taxpayer funds? Thank you, Shelley. Actually, it comes out of um, the ad valorem 
budget for countywide dollars because affordable housing isn't necessarily considered something that happens only in the city of Tampa or only in Plant City or only in Temple Terrace or only in unincorporated Hillsborough County. So when the ordinance was passed, thank you, Hope, for helping us get that done. Absolutely. Then the ordinance was passed in 19 to establish the Hope Housing Trust. That trust stays in place. We made a commitment to fund it for $10 million each year. It stays in place whether it's used in that year or not because oftentimes affordable housing takes two or three years to develop so you may you won't spend it all in that one year but it is critically important that those dollars are there because it takes two to three years to build multifamily projects and it takes multiple sources affordable housing finance requires multiple layers of financing and what the affordable housing trust does is it focuses on those developers that are targeting under 80 percent of or under 100%, I'm sorry, of average median income in order to make sure that there's housing built for those folks. And given our current rental rates and our current housing values, those folks cannot live in Hillsborough County anymore. Let me ask you, we heard uh, Commissioner Wostall talk about uh, CRA money um, and complaining that CRA money was being used, for example, for downtown enhancements or downtown uh, expensive condos. But um, CRA money is not available for roads and public safety outside the city in in the county, is it? It's very clear he doesn't understand what a CRA is. It is a redevelopment area. There's pockets in the city in various different areas of the county that are at such a low average income level and as such bad infrastructure case, and that includes housing and businesses, um, that the, the federal government is given them privilege of having their own tax, taxing district. And so they're able to c- collect money in that area and can only spend it in that area. So the idea that the Hope Trust is something that could be not funded because there's the city just made the decision to allocate unencumbered CRA monies in a goal of funding 30% of those dollars that come in each year for housing. But that's brand new. There's nothing there mm. yet. Mm. And so... They haven't even collected the funds yet. Right. And so, they don't have any active projects yet. Right. But we also have, you know, 18,000 evictions in the last year in Hillsborough County. 18,000, and we had a loan in the last month of August, 16, 16, over 1,600 evictions. People in Brandon are being evicted. So it's really important that we focus on creating housing as much as possible. All right. Uh, well, let me ask you, um, Dr. Tribble, how does the fund use the $10 million budget allocation? How have they been using it? Well, one of the ways they have been using it, and it's so wonderful, is the new uh, construction of the different um, sites. So just last month, uh, we had the ribbon cutting at Uptown Sky, um, and that's in the university area. And I have to tell you, when you see these parents and their children, and for the first time, having their own bed. But the interesting part is that when we do these projects, we also include 
wraparound services. And when I say we, the, the project itself. And the wraparound services have to do with commu- computer centers for the children, uh, GED for the parents. But it's really a way that we can begin to increase the quality of life for our residents. And, and lift people out of poverty. Yes, well, and that's exactly. One of the th- things I want to say is that the HOPE Fund has given a pathway out of poverty. And if we do not keep it, we will see the spiraling then of, of families, working families, essential workers, uh, restaurant workers. We will see them going into debt and or homelessness. And that's what we're trying to avoid. We have the money there. We should use it. It has been proven and it has a track record. That's, uh, that's, that's important for our listeners to know. And you are listening to WMNF Tampa, and we are here discussing the Hillsborough County Hope Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Uh, so I'd ask you, WMNF listeners, do we really need it? Or are other funding priorities like our crumbling roads and public safety more important to you right now? What do you think, listeners? Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or email dj at wmnf.org or you can Text us at 813-433-0885. Okay, I'd like to ask both of you, I don't know um, who to direct this to, but um, what has the Hillsborough uh, Housing Trust Fund been able to do in the four short years that the fund has existed? Is this um, project, uh, Dr. Um, Tribble, that you just mentioned, is that something that was funded by the trust fund and able to be uh, constructed and made available since the fund has come into existence? Yes, absolutely. Um, As I stated earlier, $45 million have been used since the beginning of the HOPE Fund. And let me just share a couple of other places. So uh, in um, 2021, we opened Sable Place in Sefner once again, and this was really um, giving uh, a pathway out of homelessness that was the real focus of that particular um, site. Then, as I said, we did Uptown Sky. And then in 2022, Mercy Oaks uh, opened its doors. And as I stated earlier, Uptown Sky in the university area. But we have an entire list. And when you think about $45 million being used, that's not really a lot of money because we need more. But we have then been been able to get at least over 1,100 units that we didn't have before in terms of affordable housing. And everyone deserves a home that is safe, that is stable, that is quality, and it's decent. And I know, let me just say, and I know that safety is a real issue, but when you don't have a home, you are living in an unsafe environment because this is where diseases come about, uh, rape, abuse, and even death. And so until we began to realize that we have to do something, and that something is already in law, but we got to fund it. We cannot. And I... We are all for infrastructure needs, but I know that we can find that because $10 billion is one thousandth of the $92 billion budget. And so that is a drop in the budget, drop in the bucket when you think about $10 million compared to $92 billion. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Kimberly Overman, um, I you were a former county commissioner. I know you still keep very close tabs on the commission and what they're doing and the position of the various county commissioners um, even today. So tell me, you, I'm sure as an observer, what have you seen from the various county commissioners on this issue, at least insofar as they've commented on it at the you know, preceding budget meetings. Um, isn't Wostall the one who's the most vehement in his opposition to funding anything but roads and public safety? I mean, where are the others on this issue? Where Have you been able to assess that? You know, it's, it's really challenging when you have um, someone who actually doesn't understand the value of multifamily housing, mm-hmm. um, but also doesn't understand that the SB 102 can only be invested in multifamily housing. What so is SB 102? It is actually the Senate bill that actually funded and increased the funding for affordable housing by the state. By the state. But it has a lot of strings attached. And the industry itself, as well as the the, the county leaders, the zoning departments and the process and permit people, are all still just trying to figure out how to use the law. So, but as we've heard, every day of delay of access to housing is another day that a family's at risk. When Uptown Sky opened its doors, we've been waiting two years to Mm -hmm. get it open, there were 65 units available and over 3,000 applications. Wow. There are people waiting for years on the list with housing vouchers that they cannot use because we do not have enough inventory. So when you talk about what $10 million is and whether or not we should use it for roads or housing where people don't have a place to live so their kids don't learn well and they suffer a lifetime of consequence of, of always being behind because they don't have stable housing. That impact is critically important to recognize the prioritization of how we spend our tax dollars. And then the impact of the $10 million. $10 million will do a few sidewalks. It won't fix the roads. Mm. And when they're proposing spending it on jails, I'm suggesting that jail expansion is not exactly the best housing strategy. Mm, Right. Okay, well, do they want to reallocate the, enti- the entire $10 million or some portion of it? Um, is this a one-year stopgap measure, or can we expect this funding to be whittled down every year that this board, you know, it, it, the composition of this board remains? I mean, that's, is this something that, uh, do you have a sense of where they're going with this objection to the trust fund? Unfortunately, Hillsborough County's board right now is actually working in the opposite direction of most county boards all across the state of Florida. Housing is obviously a crisis across the country. And this board is so focused on roads because of the districts that they represent You know, when Brandon is one of the highest areas of evictions, South County is not exempt from this crisis. So being in touch with how the impact should be used is clearly lost on the current um, new commissioners that do not understand government financing. Hmm. All right, uh, Matt, do we have any uh, communications from the outside world? Yeah, we did receive a text message here um, from a number ending in 2261. That says, taking care of our people is much more of a priority than our crumbling roads. 
Well, yes. I think our Thank guests you. would agree with yes. that. Thank you for uh, texting in. And uh, you can join our conversation, too, if you give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885. So um, have we, um, I'm, I'm not sure I understand whether they want to, dissolve the trust fund completely or whether they want to reallocate a portion of it or whether they want to stop it for a year and then maybe revitalize funding for it um i'm not uh, do you have a sense of what what is going to happen at this next meeting well uh, tomorrow which is tomorrow right tomorrow it's tomorrow 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 so if you're interested in the issue of affordable housing or really uh the issue of funding nonprofits um or anything that has to do with where the county's tax dollars are going. Tomorrow is the uh, final budget uh, hearing, right? At what, 6 p.m.? Yes, right, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. down at the county center. If you're interested in that, uh, you're going to want to either go or watch it on your television. The uh, issue associated with funding the Hope Trust is really what they're looking at this year is because they're seeing priorities like a fire station they need. They're seeing priorities like they need roads. And because they've made promises to invest in those things. And there's not an understanding of the impact of not having housing and why that's so critically important to our residents. Our single-family mothers, which are at the highest eviction rate, they are the highest eviction uh, victims. Population, yeah. And um, as well as our employers, who are losing employees every day that can no longer live anywhere in Hillsborough County because they don't have available housing they can afford. And that these was, are the same commissioner. These are the same commissioners who were supported by the Republicans who uh, filed the lawsuit that lost us our transportation tax. Correct. That would have been helpful in um, improving our transportation options Correct. in the county. Correct. So it's really ironic, um, isn't it, that now they're crying poverty for money for roads mm-hmm. when we could have had that tax money, which would have at least in part been allocated toward, uh, you know, roads. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And I wanted to uh, add to something that, um, well, I'd still call you commissioner. Thank you. <laughs> Over I still have the title. I just, right, right, not right. There. But one of the things, if we're going to put that money in roads and other infrastructure, then you have to have workers to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the workers and they, not, and they don't have anywhere to live, that has a negative uh, economic impact on the economy within our community. And so... If we're going to really make sure that we continue to strive as a strong county in the state of Florida, we have to have affordable housing. In particularly, I'm going to go back to these central workers because, you know, when we go downtown and we see the beautiful buildings and the restaurants, think about do they have the money to pay the rent. And the one thing I really want to point out is that these families are spending over 30% of their income on rent. And that's what really affordable housing means is that you don't have to spend over 30%. So real quick, my neighbor has a granddaughter with a 17-month-old child, and she is a single mom. So she's working. Her rent is $2,300 a month. Her child care is 20, is 
over $200 weekly. Her brother is helping her to buy food. Her brother is helping to pay her car note and car insurance so they can make it. Now, she doesn't know how long she's going to be able to continue to pay that. What's going to happen to her? Yeah. Either going into debt or going into homelessness. Yeah, and I, I just want to point out how everything is connected because you mentioned the availability of essential workers to continue the growth that the county's experienced. And, you know, it, uh, without reliable, efficient, adequate public transportation, again, a casualty of the lawsuit that prevented us from collecting the transportation tax. But without that kind of public transportation options, you know, people have very difficult um, times getting to work, getting to, you know, we need workforce housing too. You know, we need the kind of housing where people can make it to these, you know, beautiful buildings and restaurants that are downtown if they're living with out in Sefner or uh, further out in, in the East County, and we don't have that. So um, one of the questions I, I have for you is, how can we incentivize more private developers to build more affordable housing, more infill housing, more workforce housing, or induce more landlords to make affordable rental housing available? Don't we have the tools and the resources to do that with the Sadowski Fund of state money and other sources? Now, can't we get more people in the private um, housing community to participate in this effort? To some degree, yes, we do. We have um, the now the Housing Leadership Council of Tampa Bay that's bringing developers, funders, housing support and assistance folks, as well as advocates that are working together in order to increase housing units. Uh, we do have some tax advantages through the SB 102, but also the the deal is is that health uh, affordable housing is always a partnership. You can't build housing without other private dollars. It's the, the, normally the Sadowski Fund, as well as the Housing um, Trust, the Hope Trust, is a small portion of the overall financing that occurs to allow for someone who has access to housing assistance, which is limited, to be able to afford to live in, the, in an area that where multifamily housing and single-family housing is being built. So let's be clear, is the, house, is the Hope uh, Housing Trust Fund money? Is it used as, as a grant or a loan to a developer to build uh, housing units or is it used to provide uh, the renters with um, sufficient funds to be able to afford the rent in these units that private developers are building? I, I actually, I just realized I don't even know how the, how the fund, funds are used. It's actually used as gap financing and as a... Um, gap a, financing a, for whom? For the building of the building. For the developer. For the developer to build the building. Mm -hmm. For the owner to actually be able to rent to folks at certain income levels for perpetuity. I see. That's what the Florida Housing Trust, the, the big trust for the state, provides the primarily the funding and the mechanism. Our HOPE Trust sets the bar at 100% AMI, whereas the Florida Housing might be 120%. Our HOPE Trust allows for the gap financing that helps fill it in when the lenders can't make the numbers work 
for the restricted income that um, levels that are allowed to rent in those places. And the good news is affordable housing has a bad stigma. Affordable housing now is largely mixed income units that have a certain number of units that are set aside at certain income levels so that they can afford to pay the rent. And the SHIP funds and other funds that come through the state help subsidize those rents so that the landlord can actually operate the property, maintain the property, and pay the notes off for the development of the property. Thanks for that explanation. I think that was really important. Um, So, um, Sheila, some of the stories that we hear about unhoused families desperate for housing are really tragic. I I mean, especially in areas of the county east of uh, I-75. Um, Give me some information, like who are the people in our community who are most desperately in need of housing? I think Kimberly mentioned that, you know, single parents are the most um, vulnerable population. The most evictions are of single women with children. what, what is happening to these families? Well, that's, it's very sad what's happening to the families because they now are looking to see whether or not they can even have a roof over their heads for their children. So we're not only talking about those essential workers, but I want to talk about the impact that it has on the children. That has been a major piece. When you look at academic achievement for children, if they don't have a place that's stable, that's safe, then that trajectory for them is not very positive. The other thing is that I wanted to go back to something you said earlier about um, the partnerships. And we have worked with um, Catholic Charities, uh, New Vision, uh, Metropolitan Ministries. So partnerships is real important here. And let me just say that It has been very embarrassing that we have heard these stories. They have literally used that word. That was a young man that had a good job. However, he got laid off, couldn't pay his rent, and ended up sleeping on the floor of his cousin. And he said, and he was a vet. He said that was embarrassing for him. He had never been in a situation like that. We have health care providers that are not able to live in the county. Teachers. And teachers, yes. Teachers and their assistants, paraprofessionals. And one of the stories we heard last year, well, actually a few months ago, was that um, the parents that have the children that are keeping them in terms of their legal boundaries, they are having to move, and these move out of the county And we are losing foster parents because there is no place for them to live in the county. That's a big, a big, big problem for us because we need foster parents. Again, we have to think about the future of our children. And that's so important. Another population that's oftentimes missed are our seniors. Mm -hmm. The the highest percentage of house-burdened families right now or individuals right now are, are our seniors. They're in a situation where they have no choice but to leave Hillsborough County. And they're an important part of our community. You know, they work in our churches. They are uh, very critically important when it comes to our senior care and our rehab centers and our churches. But the other population of workers 
are those that work in our skilled nursing units, our CNAs. Those folks are not making enough to be able to uh, have competitive rent available to them. And as a consequence, what we were, we're going to see is our seniors, our most vulnerable seniors, that are living in our senior retirement communities and in our skilled nursings, are not going to have the care they need because the staffing levels have dropped so much. Yeah, that was another uh, thing we can thank the state legislature for this year is they changed the uh, requirement for staffing in uh, assisted living and nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And um, We have a phone call, don't we, Matt? We t- we do. We have Jack from Dover on the line. Okay, let's hear from Jack. Jack, you're on the line? Yes, ma'am. Okay, go ahead. You're on the air. Um, good morning. Um, before I moved to Tampa, I lived in St. Louis, and a lot of the things that you all are talking about are problems that I've seen firsthand, like when you have affordable housing and you can't get businesses to, to give any business loans, small business loans to people, then they just struggle to try to make it, and then they have to use public transportation to try to get to where the jobs are. Um, One of the things they did in South St. Louis that I thought was really pretty cool is the houses that they built, half of the house the person lived in, but they were able to rent out the other half of their home. And they, you know, they're regular homes in regular uh, neighborhoods and stuff. And, um, you know, I think they were like on half acre lots. But that was, I thought that was a really nice idea. And I thought, well, you know, even in Tampa, if, if, if it's possible that some of this money can be spent on having people like do bed and breakfasts, things that they could live someplace, but they could also make money where they live and then also try to encourage businesses that if there's going to be affordable housing, there has to be a public built, you know, nearby so that people have jobs to go to or something, something right. that they can work. Right. Thank you for that suggestion, uh, Jack. We appreciate you calling in. You know, I read an article recently about the resurgence in a number of different kinds of housing, um, like, for example, boarding houses. You know, the the zoning regulations, modern zoning regulations, in many cases precluded um, the concept of boarding houses, of renting out multiple rooms in a single family home, for example. Um, which was something that lower income uh, housing um, used to be available for in in the uh, you know in the like the, the depression area era and 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 those years. Um, that's you know so, uh, something that might be you know reactivated in terms of making uh, zoning uh, changes and also uh, you know uh, co-housing kinds of situations mm-hmm. where you know young people can live with seniors and provide companionship and you know help around the house or whatever perhaps in some uh, barter situation um, you know there's a lot of different alternatives that you know we've just been stuck on this uh, housing must be a single family home you know with a certain acreage uh, and these types of arrangements are no longer really viable the good news is is that um, you know Senator Jeff Brand has put out on his po- Florida policy project that issue of how our land use is actually restricted to single family development and that we do need to investigate filling in the missing middle. Yeah. Uh, AARP has done an enormous amount of research of the benefits of actually focusing our land use and our zoning to allow for missing middle development, which can be done not only inside our city 
cities, for example, Tampa or Planet City or, or um, Temple Terrace, but can also be done in areas in the, the urban uh, service area of Hillsborough County. And that would actually add capacity to and add the opportunity to have a variety of different housing types. Hillsborough County passed an ADU legislation a, a couple of years ago and the city of Tampa is working on theirs. I think they've got it either and wrapped ADU up or done. ADU stands for Accessory Dwelling, Dwelling Unit. Unit. Yeah, where you can actually, acronyms. Sorry. <laughs> um, but where you can actually build another property on your property or you could expand your existing property to have rental property associated like with it. Like a mother-in-law apartment right. is right. It's often called. Or, and those or, were prohibited for the longest yes. time. But now it's coming around and innovative leadership is actually putting those things in place so that we can expand the need for affordable housing. Yeah. And, you know, we read a lot about the fact that we have a loneliness epidemic in this country. So different kinds of um, communal housing, and I, I don't mean like a commune, but I mean like co-housing arrangements, boarding houses, um, accessory dwelling units in a backyard, things like that, where there's much more community around people may be doing uh, a lot to help uh, you know, fight against this loneliness epidemic that seems to be pervasive in the United States right now. Communal Dr. housing is happening because what's happening is the people, the missing homeless are couch surfing in communities. They're living yeah. with families. We now mm -hmm. see three and four families living in a, you know, three bedroom house, which is against code, by the way. Yeah. But it does, it is happening. And as we learn how to build housing to accommodate those folks, I think we will do well. All right, let me take another phone call. Matt, do we have somebody on the line? We do. We have Robin from Tarpon Springs on the line. Okay, Robin, you're on the air. Welcome to WMNF Midpoint. Thank you. Good morning. I wanted to share with you that uh, here in Tarpon Springs, our housing authority has a program called Share, and that is kind of uh, similar to what you're talking about, where if someone has a house that may have three or four bedrooms and it's a single person, quite often an elderly person, they can come to an agreement with someone who needs housing who can rent a room from them. They agree on the price, and it, it can't be in exchange for work or services. It can't be like now you have a live-in helper or whatever. It's strictly a... a, a rent a room? Office. Yeah, rent a room, but it, it's done through almost like a matchmaking service to where the, the, they match up the people who need places with the people who have places. And I believe there's only... We might be the only one or there's just one or two here in the state of Florida. But that is a program that I think is worth looking into. It's, it's a, a great idea. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. That sounds really interesting. And so I'm sure Kimberly and the Hope uh, people will be looking at that uh, locally. Hopefully they won't have to look at it because they lose their Hope Trust Fund funding, though. Um, so thank you. We appreciate you calling in. And uh, uh, let me let me turn to Dr. Tribble. Uh, Again, because I, I want to make sure that we get in. Um, what is Hillsborough Hope doing to bring attention to this issue right now? Because, um, you know, this is the opportunity to, to bring the need for affordable housing 
to make it at the top of the county's budgetary priority list because tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow is the day when the Board of County Commissioners are going to be voting on these budget priorities. And so what is Hillsborough Hope doing to bring this to the attention of the citizens of Hillsborough County? The main thing we're doing is educating and reaching out to the community. We are partnering with several community-based organizations. We are partnering with the uh, sororities and fraternities here uh, in Hillsborough County. But we're also partnering with community-based organizations. And we have sent, oh my goodness, all the way from one side of the county to the other side. We have sent out email blasts and informing them, particularly about tomorrow. And I want to please encourage everyone that's listening to come tomorrow night, 6 o'clock at the county building. We will be there because they will be voting on the budget. The more people they see in terms of the support, the more people that we will have to be there. And if you, if they can't show up, um, I think you can send emails to all the commissioners off the county website. Isn't that right? That's very, that's correct. So they also can, can call it. in. They can call. You can do it. You can write. You can speak in person or virtually. Yeah, if you want to speak in person, though, I think you have to sign up today. Today, yes. Today. Yes. So you need to go to the county website, uh, to the county commission portion of the county website, and if you're going to show up tomorrow and speak on the budget, and really, uh, there's a number of, of budgetary priorities you may be interested in, the Hillsborough Hope Housing Trust, um, our award-winning health plan, uh, the county health plan is also at risk in this budget, the funding for non Nonprofits has also been challenged by Commissioner Wolstall and others on this commission. That is at risk. So if you care about those those things in the county, tomorrow's the day to take take that up. And that's um, at 601 East Kennedy Boulevard. Okay, now yes. Sheila, if people yes. want to learn more about Hillsboro Hope, the organization, do you have a website or a Facebook page? Yes, huh? we have we have both. And unfortunately, I don't have that right in front of me, but of but course the, on, people on, can Google it. Absolutely. And yeah. you can go to Facebook and put Hope in and you can get the website. Alright, and if people want to learn more about um, your new organization, uh, Kimberly Overman, how, how can they find out more? It's actually the web, new website's launching this afternoon and it is uh, Housing Leadership Council of Tampa Bay or HLCTB.org. All right. Thank you both. All right. That's all we have time for today. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Sheila Simmons-Tribble, the Affordable Housing Monitor for Hillsborough Hope Organization and Kimberly Overman, former county commissioner and now founder and president of the Housing Leadership Council of Tampa Bay. Um, I want to thank all also, my WMNF volunteers, my producer and soundboard operator, Jessica Green, and Barbara Fling, who answers our phones for you. I want to also thank new volunteer, Matt Newton, who came in this morning to learn the studio so he can guest host for me when I'm out on vacation next month. And I'm sure he'll be bringing you a great show on October 18th. Matt, you want to tell people what that show is going to be about? Well, I, I want to keep them waiting. I want to okay. keep them excited. And, but I guarantee it's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let uh, Matt dazzle you on October 18th when he sits in for me when I'm on vacation. Tune in then. Uh, remember, you can support WMNF's Midpoint and the public affairs work we do here by making a contribution to the Fall 
fun drive right now, today, at WMNF.org slash donate or by calling 813-238-8001 and you can direct your donation to MPW Midpoint Wednesday to help keep independent, non-commercial, anti-fascist, peace-loving radio on the air. Uh, We really need each other in these perilous times, so I hope uh, you'll support us, and I look forward to hearing from you at our October 4th Fall Fun Drive pitch show. If you want to be thanked on the air, you can call in on October 4th during the midpoint hour, and I would be thrilled to thank you on the air. Now, next week on Wednesday, September 27th, my guest will be Dr. Tom Unash from the USF College of Public Health. He's got some things to say about the new COVID vaccine and the Florida Surgeon General Latipo and his position on the Uh, new COVID vaccine. And um, I hope to see you at our band book event at Shuffle on Tuesday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. So we've got um, a number of things coming up on our WMNF midpoint calendar. And I'm looking forward to meeting those of you who are able to come out to the band book event on October 3rd. I hope you'll join us there. And um, if you are interested in these very, very significant issues that are coming up at the county commission meeting tomorrow at 6 p.m., as you've heard from Kimberly Overman and from Dr. Tribble, um, tomorrow is the day. If you care about these issues and you care about anything other than roads, pretty much, um, in terms of the things that uh, enhance our quality of life in this in this county, then you're going to want to make your voice heard tomorrow at the county commission meeting at 6 p.m. down at the county center, and they'll be taking up all of these budgetary issues, our award-winning health plan, the funding for uh, our various nonprofits. Um, it seems like we may have saved the arts funding at the last meeting. Um, and, of course, the Hillsborough Hope Affordable Housing Trust Fund. We thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to having you back with us next week. Right now, uh, stay tuned for Talking Animals. Uh, he is next, Duncan Strauss is next on WMNF Tampa.